Hello and welcome, my name is Tim. Hi, I'm Axel. Hi, I'm Melting. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Gomo to Link to the Past Randomizer Podcast. Oh man, talking about Melting Man, I'm currently sitting in what I can only describe as my own personal sauna. Which, you know, on, on a first listen, probably sounds extremely nice. You know, Herf just chilling out in his personal sauna recording a podcast. Pretty good. Yeah. But uh, we're really suffering a terrible heat wave here in Europe currently. Uh, yeah. I think Wednesday this week was the hottest recorded day in my area in like 50 years or something. It's, uh, it's painful. Well, to all our European friends out there, stay cool. So, so Herf, you're, it's it's very hot outside, and uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, sitting in a sauna, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, what, what else is there to it? Is, it? is it not that? It's really not that fun. I mean, we currently, we have like 97 Fahrenheit outside, and my apartment is probably a little hotter than that. I'm sitting here with my windows closed and the fan off. AC is not really a thing here. Uh, wearing headphones, I'm uh, I'm suffering a little bit, all for the entertainment of our dear listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to me, it's you know, it, just like you said, 97 degrees. It's like, oh yeah, I could, I could that could be cool, you know, if you're like in your bathing suit, it wouldn't be so bad. But the headphones is what really gets me because like the ones mm-hmm. I'm wearing right now, I'm warm in, and I I do have some air conditioning pumping through this room, so. Uh, that is not not a great situation for our friend Herf, but he does it because he loves you. It's true. But with that in mind, uh, we will um, we we still kind of have a lot to talk about. We and there's no getting away from that. Uh, but we have so much to talk about. In fact, that uh, I I just did not see us getting to a feature this time. So this is this is an oops all news situation that we have on our hands here. Um, <laughs> There, I mean, even just from when we wrapped recording of the last episode, which was on a Sunday, the Monday and Tuesday after that, there were two major announcements. And I, I like stopped myself from editing those into the episode because it was already long enough and I you know, wanted the Blaine stuff to be the focus. We're going to get to all of it today now, plus another like two or three events that have developed since then. So there is just a ton going on right now. And it's incredible that that's the case, considering we're on a break with the main tournament. Uh, this is like the rando off season, essentially. And it's it's jam packed with a bunch of goings on. And, and I'm really excited to talk yeah. about it. With and you it's here. GDQ week, too. So a lot of people right. are not around. Mm-hmm. because They're all raising money for charity. Yeah, it exactly. really it really was a crazy week, maybe even two weeks. It's it's just been crazy. Yeah. And uh of course, you know, we we've got to talk about all of it. I'm excited to hear y'all's take on everything. I wanna educate our listeners and you know, hear of course what they have to say in our Discord and through email. So with that being said, let's jump right in. And I think we need to start with uh the one that is closest to home for us which is the Go Mode Podcast Mentor Tournament, of course, that we've been adminning. Uh, we just wrapped up week two. Uh, yesterday, we had our last match for that. Um, we actually ended up extending week two um, to go through GDQ week, and there were a few reasons that we did that. Uh, one of them was the fact that GDQ was going to be going on. We want people to be able to focus on watching that, supporting that, you know, donating. Um, we even have some racers who are at uh, GDQ, SGDQ right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, of course, we want to be uh, mindful of their schedules. It's very, very hard to 
do anything other than focus on you know speed speed running and hanging out with people you don't get to see very often at those sort of things so and playing pringles uh, yeah wait what <laughs> playing pringle is it, oh was it a, like a meme game this year or something yeah, even red bull it's been tweeting about the the pringles game and oh, i no. have having never gone to a gdq the main reason i want to go is just to experience the magic that's pringles <laughs> okay i hadn't heard about this but i guess i'll i'll go uh i'll go do some googling after this and some research on the pringles game at s at sgdq um but so yeah we we decided to extend uh the the tor- the week two of the tournament we had 16 matches to do in essentially seven days and our week one was actually closer to like 10 or 11 days because we started it on a wednesday and went to the following saturday so it we were to be honest we were running into challenges just trying to find mentors who were available um to to make all of those races um as we talked about last time you know the mentors are the one that are the ones that are really volunteering you know so much time and and they have a little bit less of an investment in the overall outcome of the tournament unlike the racers who are all like raring to go every single time so um it, it i will admit it's been challenging uh, at times to try to get mentors lined up and I don't fault them for that. I don't fault me for that. It's just, it's just kind of is what it is. When we looked at how we were going to set the tournament up, we had to consider, you know, just exactly how we were going to do it and, and how we were going to try to make sure it was accessible and easy to schedule for everybody. And, and this is the format we chose. And, you know, like any format we could have chosen, I think, you know, this one had its upsides and its downsides. And one of the downsides is, you know, sometimes Timp's got to uh, uh, leave dinner for a minute to get on his phone and, and try to, you know, DM three or four mentors to see if one of them can can uh, step up for a race. And, and nobody wants to be in that situation, trust me. But um, it's been minor, and I think we're pretty much through that now because as we move into week three, we're only going to have eight games per week. I think that's going to be a little bit more manageable for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. But. Um, other than that, I mean, not to come out right out with like the one tiny negative of what has been a really incredible experience and tournament for, I think everyone involved. Um, it's been going great. I'm, I'm still having a, a really fun time with it. Um, we've, we've had a chance to sort of, uh, expand things a little bit and kind of open up the, uh, go mode podcast franchise a little bit. It can sort of expand. Um, but before... Before we get into some of that stuff, I feel like I've been talking for a long time, and, and I want to I give my co-host a chance to uh, you know, give their thoughts on, on the Go Mode Podcast Mentor Tournament. Week two, or just sort of in general? What do you guys think? Excellent. Well, uh, yeah, so what, what I'll say is, uh, you know, in terms of this being a learning experience for our, you know, racers and our mentors, it's a learning experience for us, too, because, you know, while Herf has, you know, been a, a tournament admin, Tip and I have not, and I think the big thing I've learned here is that if we're gonna, if you know, if we do, you know, the second Go Mode Podcast Mentor Tournament, you know, next time, I would say we probably want to have, for the first few rounds, two weeks, because it's just really hard to coordinate four people's schedules to get everybody together for a race. Um, you know, we we've gotten through it, and now that we're going from you know, think about it, 16 times 4 to 8 times 4 is uh, a lot a, a lot easier to manage. But for those first two rounds, I think it really was a challenge sometimes to uh, get everybody together and, uh, and get those races off and get those races mentored. Made me think that we should have not closed up the submission for mentors and maybe tried to get some more in there. 
But it also, I mean, the whole reason that we sort of capped it is because we were worried about the later stages, which we still haven't even started yet. Like, I don't know exactly what the mentor volunteership and requesting situation is going to be like when we get there. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we set it up the way we did for a reason. That's what I keep reminding myself because I keep, sorry, go ahead. Go no, ahead. Oh, no, the other thing to be positive, is, I will say, is that the races have been absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean... Oh, man, it's been such an awesome tournament it, to watch. You know, you, you typically don't get to see kind of, like, featured matches between runners at sort of the, you know, beginning to intermediate skill level. And so a lot of those races can be really exciting because if you're, you know, if you're watching, like, the, the finals of the main tournament, you're like, all right, they got to go do, you know, ma- you know, Master Sword Silverless. Well... Okay, we know both runners can do this, so it's it's really just down to if they like mess up a little bit. But I mean, when you're watching two runners who collectively have you know six or seven seeds under their belt, it, 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 there's no real turning away, even if someone has a, a lead of a minute or so, because with that you know that lower skill ceiling, it's a lot more likely that somebody you know does make a mistake, and there is a chance for the runner who is behind to come back and uh, i just i just love the excitement of it and it's also really nice because you know uh, what we've seen and i really like you know and in, in the regular tournament if somebody else has you know done you, you typically see unless they're already fighting gan and they'll just forfeit out but i every race that i have had a chance to either take a part in as a, a commentator or just kind of watch on my own the person who is you know not going to win all, almost always finishes at the seed and i think that is a really great thing to see from our runners because it's great practice um and uh you know again you typically don't see that in a a tournament that's you know catering more towards the upper end of the skill level yeah but to be honest though i think the reason for that is it goes back to something else you said which is just that a lot of the races have been really close and I know for me, like, if I have two crystals left and I see the dot done, I, I might not waste everyone's time and have them watch me just go around and kill, you know, Homosaur King. Uh, but if I'm in Ganon's Tower, then it's like, ah, you know, another five, ten minutes. Yeah, I might as well finish this out and prove, prove that I could have done it, you know. Because um, I have seen a couple, we've had a couple forfeits, but a lot of, you know, I think one was a match that was like going well into 1 a.m., um, you know, so that's that's understandable. Like it's it's time to go to bed for for a lot of you know our, our viewers and participants and all that. So, but uh, yeah, I mean to your point, it's it's great. It, just the general mentality, and we've talked about this before around this tournament and in the Discord, which has been extremely active in the past three weeks, uh, is just so supportive. And um, you know, everyone is kind of encouraging one another to learn tricks and to get better and to practice. And uh, it's just a really supportive environment. And uh, I've just really enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, that I, love, of it. I love the community just on their own out there being mm-hmm. like, hey, let's all try to do a practice. And yeah. people are like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let me let me join up and, and do this. And like, I I had no hand in that. I, Temp, I don't think you did. Herf, I don't think you did. This is just no. something people came up with on their own. And that's really cool and awesome. And I hope, you know, it sounds like from the, the people that we've gotten who are newer players, there is a lot of excitement and a lot of like, wow, this is so much fun. Like, I can't believe I didn't try this before. I'm really happy that, like, I'm doing this now, and I just love doing it. So, like, I, you know, when I'm sitting there lurking in the, you know, general channel or whatever and, and seeing all this, it makes me very happy. and makes me uh, I mean, I have a big smile that uh, people are learning how great Rando is. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, even like this weekend, I think, or sometime this week, uh, some people got together and started racing in the SRL daily because it was uh, a standard seed that they were playing. And some people got together and were like, hey, listen, guys, that's what we're racing in this tournament all the time. Why not, you know, take part in that? And to me personally, I think that's the point that I'm happiest about. Uh, I think all the games have been great, and I think all the mentors and the volunteers that have stepped up, all that stuff has been really great, but I think what I really like most is that people have gotten to, you know, get used to setting up their Twitch account for streaming and racing, getting set up on SRL, which isn't easy if you've never dealt with IRC or all the different stuff that you have to do there. And now they're like, hey, I made a race room, let's go have a practice race. Or, hey, I can join SRL dailies and have no problem knowing what everyone's talking about and stuff is working out just fine. And I think that's really great when we help people over that beginning hurdle of, oh man, how do I go from just playing a seat by myself, kind of having fun, to the kind of meat and bones of the whole community. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, when you start out streaming, if you it could be really intimidating to just kind of go out there and be like, well, I don't, it's just me just playing mm-hmm. through a game on my own. Mm-hmm. And when you have a community like this, that is, uh, you know, pretty, pretty focused on helping newer players. If somebody posts like, Hey, I'm going to stream for the first time ever. There's probably going to be at least one or two people from our community or us ourselves. who are like, Oh, cool. I'm going to go check this out. And I just feel that for someone who is, very new it it's so probably it's so helpful to have like an encouraging audience there being like yeah you're doing great like keep at it you can definitely get mothula next time like you're totally fine and, and it's just it's yeah i i think everything's wonderful mm-hmm. yeah so i i feel like i still have so much to say with this uh go mode podcast mentor tournament to to slightly shift gears a little bit um and something do I uh, something that I alluded to earlier. Uh, shout outs to Dante for stepping up and uh, creating something for us. Uh, we've we've been able to kind of expand our reach a little bit online, and we now have a Go Mode podcast Twitch channel. So uh, we've been able to actually put on some restreams. Um, thanks largely in part to uh, a guy in the community named Vash nineteen seventy eight. I believe is is the numbers. I might have got the numbers right, but Vash is what we call him. Uh, and, um, he has, uh, helped us to set up that restream. Dante helps us, helped us set up the Twitch page. And, uh, it was just super easy. The very first, uh, race, or might've been the second race of week two, decided to do a restream of that. And, uh, that went off without a hitch. We had a great time. Um, and we were able to bump that to YouTube. So we, we also have the go mode podcast, YouTube that we set up. Um, so that was a match that was, uh, let me, let me pull up the title of it just so that I can give that to people but uh one of the racers was the daddy gamers and the other one was oh elias uh 5891 who's also the one who helped us put together our our first youtube video so it's kind of funny like that (laughs) they were being mentored by uh, chizame and espion and i'm talking about this right now because i cannot recommend this race high enough you want to talk about a close finish i thought this one was going to tie it doesn't i will tell you that but I thought it was going to tie, and it's. I'm not going to tell you who wins, obviously, but it was. So I commentated with uh, Racer uh, Blackwax, also stepped in and helped to commentate with me, which was awesome. Uh, you're going to hear me freak out a couple times based on <laughs> the items that show up when they do and how close it is at the end. Like 
it was just like I was just so happy to even be a, a small part of, of this race. It was so incredible to watch. So uh, definitely go check that out. We will, of course, put a link uh, in the description to that. But rate, I mean, just for races like that alone, I mean, this is this has been a really incredible tournament to uh, administrate and be a part of. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Goma podcast tournament. We got our Twitch set up. We're doing the restreams, mentors. I guess that's I guess that's about it. You guys have any final thoughts on that? Uh, well, I, I want to give a big thanks to all the mentors who in week two did step in Absolutely. at the last minute because um, you know <clears throat> I, I, I'm really happy that we have yet to do our emergency plan of putting one of us into mentor because ideally we never have to do that so that we can kind of stay back as admins and and kind of have some you know cool impartiality but um yeah so just big big thank you to all our mentors for um for jumping in even if it's last minute yeah Mm -hmm. and even though you might see me on the discord all the time chatting i'm doesn't necessarily mean i'm available to mentor a, a race which is why you always see me asking other people to do it and then not doing it myself uh, I'm constantly admitting from my phone, you know, while sort of other things are going on. Uh, so uh, actually one thing real quick about the tournament that I wanted to mention when we were talking about setting it up, you know, we did it this way where the mentors kind of volunteer to jump in for the races. And I can't help but wonder, you know, if we had kind of done it the other way we had discussed where we actually pair the mentors up with the racers, which Herf actually I think was something that, that you said you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it might have made it a little easier to schedule uh, in a way. Um, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that earlier, and I think it's kind of hard to say. As, as you alluded to earlier, scheduling two people sometimes can be hard enough as it is, and then scheduling four people at the same time is going to be even harder. And I'm not sure if... I think it probably would have made it harder just because now you at least have a chance that someone else might be around to mentor you. If you only have one person that's assigned to you, I would have liked that to have someone go through the whole tournament with someone else so it Mm -hmm. could be like a story for them. But Mm -hmm. if you only have one person to juice from and they don't have time, then, you know, you're kind of screwed. And now you at least have the chance to go, hey, mentors, my race is in an hour. Does anyone have time to mentor me? And then there you go. I mean, yeah, yeah especially because this is an international tournament. I think, I think we had a race between someone in Australia and someone in Europe, and that's yeah. that's hard to find a time that that's not you know really inconvenient because they're on the other side of the world from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, TML and Tenchi week one. Vtorp actually was a mentor for one of them, <laughs> which is I mean it was hard, but not only did we make it happen, but we we gave him pretty much the best you know one of the best mentors <laughs> you could possibly ask for, one of the dudes that made the game, you know. Um, but and yeah, you know ev- everything you said, Herf, is why we did it the way we did it, and I I stand by that. Um, but as I think more about it, it's like if you specifically know the other three people you guys all together can work out that schedule whereas if it's just two people deciding on their own and then just putting it out there there's a very real possibility and it's almost happened you know that there's not a mentor available Mm -hmm. Uh, and we actually did have one race in week two where the racers uh, we couldn't find two mentors we found one we couldn't find another and they did just go without so so we have had one race in this tournament that was mentorless and i feel awful about that like I, i wish that we could have avoided that, but I just literally was tapped out. I couldn't think of anything else to do to try to line them up. So, um, 
It's not perfect, uh, I, but I do think, and the reason I'm bringing this up, again, I don't want to, like, you know, crap all over the hard work that all of us have put in, you know, but I do think it's important to be critical uh, of this sort of thing and try to improve from it because we literally were just saying a few episodes ago, um, you know, how important it is that the main tournament is making some changes to the way they do things based on feedback, and they were they were really adamant on, on collecting a lot of feedback from both watchers and participants of that tourney, and I want to make sure that we do the same thing, not to say that we for sure will do another one or that even if we did, it would be anytime soon, but, you know, I think it's good to identify these sort of things and try to, try to learn from them. So. Yeah, I mean, just like how the best way to learn from, a, you know, playing is to look at what you did and be, criti- you know, critical, but gentle, not gentle, but critical, but um, constructive constructive to yourself. Yeah. It's helpful, too, from this to be critical, but constructive and say, you know, yeah, that probably didn't work as well as we thought it did. It was going to. Let's think about maybe changing it. Like, you don't want to be like, well, we suck. We're the worst tournament <laughs> admins ever. Um you know, you, you want to be con- critical and constructive and, and fair, too. You know, if it's something where it's like, well, you know, there was a, a blackout that covered the entire, you know, U.S. East Coast and that screwed up the tournament. Well, okay, there's nothing we could do about that. You know, but if it's stuff that's under our control that is something that's actionable, then, yeah, we'll, we'll think about it and try to figure out ways to improve it. And if... You know, people out there who are participating or watching too, you know, if you're like, hey, guys, did you think about maybe for, you know, the the bracket stage trying X or Y, like, you know, we might not have thought of that and it might be a really good idea. So don't don't hesitate to be reaching out and being like, hey, maybe this will work a little better. Yeah. And we have had that, too. Um, specifically, uh, uh, Lech Tanzi comes to mind, one of the racers. uh you gave some a suggestion it was a good suggestion it was something that we kind of missed and, and we implemented it i'm always worried to do stuff like that because when we implement something going forward everyone who was before that didn't get the benefit of that so it's sort of you know it's it's not exactly equal in that way but i think you know as i said a few times in the last episode and I, I truly do just go back to this every single time if we go back to that sort of mission statement that we have that's just about everyone just getting better getting you know racing and getting mentored those are the two most important things um then you know that's why we make all our decisions and and it's unfortunate when one or two people don't get the benefit of the corrections that we make but um you know in the in the interest of educating as many people and allowing them to race as possible, we do have to make the change and implement that. And it's just life. It's just life, man. You know, sometimes it's not not one hundred percent fair, but yeah, we well, we do our best. Yeah. One thing I, I do want to point out to our listeners is I know there was some discussion about how are we going to seed out the brackets and how is that going to work. Mm. And I I know at least for myself, I think you know I'm the, I'm not sure exactly how we want to do it. There's been some some pretty good comments and suggestions we had in our kind of initial draft documents ideas of how to do that but um i don't know tim or herf if you have anything you want to share on that um sort of it's actually a perfect transition into the next thing i want to talk about um but uh yeah basically you know as we've said before the way that we set the tournament up we essentially eliminate half of the the participants um in the after group rounds and then we're left with the task of ranking the 16 who are left over 
there's kind of a couple ways you could do that, right? It, so you're going to have eight people who won, who are who went two and zero. Do you mm-hmm. put them one through eight based on their group, and then winners who were, you know, uh, uh, who who made it out, out, you know, the other one that made it out in each group, like they would be nine through sixteen, or do you take the top two quali- or the the two qualifiers from group A and make them one and two, the two qualifiers from B and make them, you know, three and four, et cetera, et cetera, like that. Um, so I think what we're going to do, and just to be very upfront about this, is I think the three of us are just need to carve out a little bit of time and sit down and talk about everybody. Maybe go back and watch a VOD here and there to make some tiebreakers and just do our best job th- that we can at sort of ranking the 16. Um, we'll use a combination of groups and, uh, you know, your rank in that group. But, yeah, I think I think we should just do it. And I don't think there's anything you know sketchy or wrong or bad about that this is we're the admins this is our tournament i think that's our prerogative and we of course are going to try to do you know the most impartial of a job as as we can so Mm -hmm. that's what i'm thinking what do you guys think yeah i think that's pretty fair i mean we'll we'll need some time to talk about it and the details of how it works but i think what you gave as a general idea is pretty much how it's going to shake out i mean it's not going to be you know, the most intricate seeding method ever. We're not going to code an AI, a neural network to find out <laughs> who had the best finishing times or something like that. It's just, we'll, we'll figure something out and it'll be mostly as fair as we can make it. Yep. Yeah, if you if you say really nice things about us, you'll you'll get the number one seed. That's wrong. That's how we're <laughs> no, wrong. Don't. No. Yeah, that's actually that's wrong. What's correct is if you PayPal me enough money, then you'll get the number oh, one. Oh God, no, no. Oh God. <laughs> to, to clarify, we both are being sarcastic there. Yes, of course. Um, and okay, so <laughs> I, I'm. Note to Tim, edit that out. Um, okay. And that leads to the other thing I wanted to talk about, which, uh, so, you know, we'll have to bracket 16 people, but then unfortunately, 16 people are going to be eliminated from the tournament. In fact, after week two, eight people already have. So um, I was approached by one of the racers. Uh, Shout outs to SSBM Oro. Uh, people pronounce that Moro because it's S-S-B-M-O-R-O, but it, that's not it. It's Oro. And it's like Super Smash Brothers Melee. Anyway, Oro approached me and had already all put together an outline for an uh, a completely unofficial Go Mode Podcast Mentor Tournament Bunny Bracket. So basically, the 16 who were eliminated in group rounds will be doing kind of a shadow bracket while the main one goes on, um, which I'm totally fine with. Be, uh, one of the things that they were careful to lay out for us is that they want to make sure that in no way are they taking away anything from the racers, mentors, viewers, anything of the main tournament. You know, that will be the focus, and, and that was uh, an assurance that I received from Oro. So with that, you know, being said and, and being in mind, another cool thing I like about, you know, this mentor tournament is they're not assuming that they're going to be able to get a, like, mentor mentor for every race. Um, other racers can jump in and mentor. Um chat can help out you know there, there's guidelines for how you can just go in and chat some some advice to them and and that's fine because you know much like our mentor tournament the goal of this bunny bracket is to you know give people more opportunities to play and try to get better and learn so um cannot stress this enough totally unofficial not linked to go mode podcast in any way whatsoever we will disavow until the cows come home we're not touching this one with a 10-foot pole 
but uh, we are aware of its existence, and uh, at this time we are taking no action. Yep. And we might still watch some of those games. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. but you know, officially. Unof- totally, yeah, totally unofficial though. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it's kind of nice because it's like how we had the uh, for the main tournament we had like what was it the the challenge cup. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's it's our challenge cup. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's the same idea basically. Yeah. Very cool. So. All right, I think that wraps up Go Mode Tournament Talk. That was like about 30 minutes, a little shy 30 minutes. That's pretty good. That's mm-hmm. uh, more than I thought, to be honest, but I, I feel I feel like I got everything out of my system. See, Tim, that's our feature for today. That's, it's talking about the tournament. No, we already did. We already did that. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, as I said, we have a lot of other stuff to talk about, so let's keep it moving right along so that Herf doesn't, uh, like, spontaneously combust or anything like that. <laughs> yes, yeah, we I'm do not want Herf to melt. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just cannot wait any longer to talk about this one because, in all honesty, even with the tournament going on, this is probably the thing that I'm actually most excited about. Uh, right after we wrapped the last episode, there was an announcement from Fiesel, who is the creator of Speed Gaming, uh, of a brand new in-person live speed gaming event. And uh, I, I just can't even believe I'm saying this, but uh, it's going to be taking place in the Washington, D.C. area, actually, Herndon, Virginia, where they used to do Awesome Games Done Quick. It's at Axial's um, house. It's, in, it's basically <laughs> at Axial's house. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, so that's obviously incredible. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is about uh, six and a half hours south of that. And Herf, of course, lives in Germany. But uh, Herf, why don't you tell him? Well, uh, I knew about that little SG Live thing a little bit before... Um, my two co-hosts it's simply because uh, the admins of the main tournament were approached by Fiesel if uh, any of us were interested in helping out admining one of the three prize tournaments that will be held at SG Life which of course will be uh, a link to the past randomizer there'll be a, a Ocarina of Time randomizer um, tournament and last but not least there will be a Super Mario Maker 2 tournament uh, which will be pretty exciting, I think. And, uh, well, I'm, uh, I said, well, sure, I'll, I'll have out adminning in person, no problem. I, I like meeting some people and stuff. And lo and behold, uh, if you want to meet me, you got to meet me at SG Life. I'll, I'll be there and admin the money tournament there. Yeah. Herb's coming to the States. Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, it's, it's true. The three of us will be getting together to record a live episode of Go Mode Podcast. We haven't quite figured out all the details. We don't know everything about it, but uh, one of the things that sort of throws a wrench into it is Axe, uh, believe it or not, actually has plans for that weekend that you cannot get out of. <laughs> it's, it, it was, I, was, I was so excited, and, and then I was like, wait, oh no, it's that weekend? Oh no. So it's like super, like gift of the magi levels of irony that you know we're all coming to Washington D.C. and then Herb's like flying it's like, like somewhere. The away. one week I'm not going to be in town for or that accident. entire yeah. like two month period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but that being said, I mean, I, I'm serious. We will figure out some way for the three of us to get together for a picture at the very least, a quick recording. Um, but I'm just so, so excited about that. Uh, we'll, of course, keep you guys updated as we learn more ourselves. But let's talk a little bit more about this Speed Gaming Live event. Um, so 
nothing quite like this has been done before, although certainly similar things, you know, obviously AGDQ, SGDQ, Mm -hmm. um, RPG, Limit Break is another sort of uh, like marathon convention kind of thing. But um, Herf, can you give us, you know, any more kind of details, insight, uh, things that sort of stood out to you about this this upcoming event in October? Yeah, sure. So um, from what I know, and I think all of this is public knowledge at this point, there's, first of all, there's a Speed Gaming Live Discord that I'm sure Tim will put a link in the description yeah. to. So everyone is free to join. All the information is on there. It's a little spread out over different channels, so I'll try to kind of sum up the whole thing. I already mentioned there's going to be three big money tournaments. Uh, Zooter, so <clears throat> Ocarina of Time Randomizer, Link to the Past Randomizer, and Super Mario Maker uh, 2. All of these have a $3,000 prize pool. So it's 9k in total uh, that go out, goes out in prices. Um, the tickets will go on sale July 5th, which is next week Friday from our current recording, I believe. Mm-hmm. at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm not 100% sure about that. So like in like two days, if you're listening to this, when yeah, the episode comes exactly. out. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, it will be limited to 250 people, including staff and volunteers, so it might sell out extremely quickly. People are a little bit worried about it, but um, Fiesel says, well, it's easier you know, to start small, and then if it manages to somehow magically sell out in one day, it shouldn't be much of a problem to negotiate with the hotel again to maybe upscale it a little bit, you know, in hindsight, so to speak, rather than renting out a huge convention space and then not filling it up, which will cost yeah. them a lot of money. I, I mean, especially because, again, as I think Tip mentioned, this is the same hotel that used to host uh, AGDQ before they were like, we need a bigger space. So they're exactly. pretty familiar with how popular this stuff can get. Yeah, exactly. So they should be understanding, and they also definitely have all the stuff available. Um, what else is there to say? It will not only be these three tournaments, there will be people submitting runs, kind of like they do at GDQ or any of the other marathons that you've mentioned, Tim, uh, to, to you know just show off their speedrun or whatever they want to show off. There will be side tournaments that are kind of community organized without any prizes or anything. But if you feel like, you know, hey, I could maybe, maybe our whole crew of whatever weird game nobody else plays uh, is going to meet up in Washington D.C. and uh, we're gonna we're gonna show that off and have a tournament for that there. Uh, that shouldn't be a problem. Um, Fiesel is going to organize as many CRTs and low lag uh, HD TVs or LCDs as he can. He said. Uh, he also asked people to bring their own consoles. Um, it's going to be from Thursday to Sunday, uh, October 24th to 27th, I believe, is the weekend. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I think that's really... Oh, yeah, there will be another important thing is there will be online qualifiers for all the big money oh, tournaments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, those are optional, of course, but... If you manage to uh, win the qualifier for your tournament, so Link to the Past, Mario Maker 2, or Ocarina of Time, you will get your uh, you will get uh, improved seeding for the live tournament, 
and you will be guaranteed a spot in the playoff brackets if you're a top qualifier and you will also get subsidized travel and hotel costs. So essentially, if you win, well, that's a big one. even if you're from far away, if you do really well in the qualifiers, you'll at least get help with the flight. I'm not sure if your whole flight will be reimbursed because that could be a lot of money for SG, but they'll yeah. definitely help you up to some sort of maximum amount, which is pretty significant. I, yeah, I mean, the fact that they're doing anything at all is, is obviously huge. You know, yeah. I mean, they could easily just say, like, I mean, you have to be here if you want to be a part of the tournament, but they're even as willing, you know, they're willing to go as far as, say, if you are good enough and you qualify, we can help you get out here. Because mm-hmm. And I think that also shows that they, they want this to be competitive and, and good. You know, they're willing to pay for, essentially, essentially, they're willing to pay for talent, you know, to come out and be a, a part of this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, especially given that this is, kind of like esporty, uh mm-hmm. you know like a like an esports kind of speed running you know randomizer slash mario maker thing like for you know a lot of people this is just a hobby and i know uh just because i you know follow and, and play magic the gathering there's a, a big controversy that a lot of times they're not able to they qualify for some of these bigger tournaments but there's no subsidy for travel so they're like well i qualified but I can't make it, so I guess I'm not going. So it's yeah. nice that they're uh, they're trying to help people get there. Yeah, and I yeah. think uh, Fiesel was also saying, which is a little more on the businessy side of things, I guess. I'm not sure how much he really wants me to talk about it, but it makes sense, and it's not really you know something people can't figure out by themselves. But he was saying, if he has to spend some money for the first year to get it out to the people and make it a good event it'll you know it'll grow it'll be better next year and eventually it'll finance itself with via ticket sales and people signing up and stuff like that and it'll it'll just keep growing and get better and better he also yes. said he, yeah. he also said his goal is to make this a marathon thing that goes a whole week Ooh. so he definitely wants to make it into more of a gdq type thing i'm not sure if any charity thoughts are involved for the first year there aren't any charity things going on people can't you know donate like in gdq so it's different from that or in in that way that it's just a lot of it gonna is gonna be streamed on the various sg channels and it's gonna be live most of the time but there won't be any as far as i know anyways any donations to charity or anything like that but maybe in the future it's, it's a cool thing, because how I kind of think about it, like, you know, GDQ is kind of like the Olympics of the speedrun community. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets together, it's, you know, it's it's mo- it's a, for a good cause, and it, it's really just about, like, showing off cool stuff. But in all the sports in the Olympics, like, they have their own, like, championships too, but they just right. aren't, you know, it's not the Olympics, so people yeah. are like, oh, I'm going to watch the World Track and Field Championships. But uh, I, it's really cool that... Um, we're going to have basically like the world track and field championships, but for Ocarina of Time randomizer, Link to the Past randomizer, and Mario Maker 2. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's cool that the focus is more on, hey, let's make like a cool competitive event and have that be the focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm super excited about this event. Even if I wasn't, you know, planning on going, I, I would be super excited to watch it. Uh, another point I think is worth mentioning is I saw in that Discord, Fiesel mentioned that they are going to need upwards of like 150 CRTVs uh, yep. to, to be able to pull this off. Because think of how, how many retro games are, are being played. 
Um, so that to say that they are going to need volunteers and I, I, you know, offered to be a volunteer and for, you know, a few different things, you know, help getting set up and commentary and tracking and stuff like that. Uh, and I tried to check back. I was like, Hey, do we know, like, how do we know if we've been accepted as a volunteer or whatever? And he was like, anyone who wants to volunteer is a volunteer. Like we, we are going to need help. Like if you're serious about helping, then yes, Mm -hmm. you can help. You will be allowed to help. So, um, maybe consider that, you know, if you're listening and you, you need an excuse to get out there and, um, you know, uh, want to be a part of it all of, of the first year of something that I think is probably going to be a pretty big deal and, and a yearly thing. I'm really glad Herf to hear that, you know, that's kind of what, what's being talked about behind the scenes, even before this one kicks off, um, kind of looking down the road at, at making it, you know, annual. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. I'm super excited for it, you know, getting off work, going up there and, Hanging out with you guys and uh, just watching a bunch of Rando and, and a bunch of other really good games, too. Yeah, yeah it's going to be am, exciting. I am so bummed that this is the one week that I'm not going to be in town because otherwise I would just basically be camped out there and hanging out with everybody. But um, we are trying to figure out something so that I can be involved. But, um, you know, again, I'm going to be out of town from like at least definitely Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And thursday is iffy but again there will be we will be doing something we just don't know what yet mm-hmm. yeah. he has a good excuse too it's not even it's not even like it's some some yeah it's, crap it's, that we can it's my best about. friend's bachelor party so yeah. i i can't tell him like yeah i love you and i've known you for you know two decades but uh you video know, games video games mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so that's fair but yeah, we will figure something out, and we'll of course keep you updated as we learn more about speed this uh, speed gaming live event, and also um, those qualifiers. You know, I think that'll be worth kind of bringing you the results of that too. So yeah, uh, cool. All right, more news, 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 news. Um, huge glitch discovered uh, about a week ago. I was browsing through Twitter actually, and I saw somebody share a video of. Um, it was essentially. Uh, I'll just kind of describe what what I saw. Um, there was a player who was in Ice Palace, and they get out the red cane, activate it, immediately menu, get out boomerang, uh, do some weird dashing. It was like, okay, this is clearly a setup for something. Uh, and then they walk into the next room, which is that one that you can usually only get to from the uh, basement, and they straight up glitch through the wall, skipping like all of Ice Palace. Uh, so obviously this is huge. Um, since then, I've learned a little bit more about it. Uh, Herf, are you able to give us, uh, have you heard any like details about kind of what makes this possible, this new newly discovered glitch? Sort of, but I'm not 100% sure on them. I have like a kind of general idea. So as always, check the description. We'll find some sort of link of something mm-hmm. to help enlighten you. But, but Herf, tell us what you know. So um, I'm not sure how many people are familiar with the spooky glitch in Meyer. Uh, I think we've talked about it before, but uh, essentially you're overriding an Ancilla spot, which is kind of like a, uh, how do I explain this? You can kind of imagine it as like a little table in the memory of Link to the Past where it has all the Ancilla stuff, which is all the stuff that kind of flies around for a lack of a better description. So it's uh, Samaria block or the fireballs that fly out when a Samaria block explodes. It's your boomerang, it's arrows, it's the little cloud of dust that you puff up when you start dashing. 
it's you know a lot of stuff gets stored in there kind of so the game knows where to display it and where it is and which height it's at and all that kind of stuff um the spooky glitch in Meyer is only relevant because it also has to do with ancillary which uh, in in that glitch we just overwrite a hate value and the fire rod shout goes somewhere where it's not supposed to go in this new glitch what we're doing is we're filling up the ancilla table i was talking about so we're filling up all the slots with values that we can control by where we place a samaria block at which time we explode it, where we dash where we dash to throwing a boomerang in a specific direction, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's gone so far now that I'm not sure if you've kept up with this, but Pincus has been working on this hard. And he has basically managed to break the game completely. We're at a point where Pincus is able to do completely arbitrary code execution in the memory of Link to the Past. Whoa! Um, so, if you don't really know what arbitrary code execution is, if you've watched a past GDQ where Taskbot, I think, was doing some very specific yeah. inputs in Super Mario World, and suddenly they were playing Snake and Tetris and God knows what else, that's what arbitrary code execution can do. Uh, yeah, it's using the inputs of the controller in an unintended way to literally change the code of the game. Yeah, you're basically writing code to the memory while you're inputting, you know, inputs into the game. Yeah. <clears throat> and I've seen the two most significant videos that I remember off the top of my head is uh, it starts on the top of East Death Mountain in Light World and you see him do a whole bunch of setup that looks totally nonsensical, kind of like that Super Mario World run, you know, he's placing... That's a Mario block, he's dashing back and forth, walking up and down, throwing a boomerang, doing whatever. Yeah. And then he goes back into the little cave, and suddenly the game like totally freaks out and it gives him the the camera like when it goes all pixely after you pick up a crystal, like six or seven times, and then he walks back out of the door and suddenly he has five crystals in his inventory. <laughs> and it's like, oh okay, what just happened there? And the second one is him walking out of Sanctuary to the west, where you would normally go to check the Lumberjacks and doing a whole bunch of stuff there. And then he just gets warped to the Triforce room in about 2 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> so wow. so let's cut right to the chase here. Is that's a, I mean, that's a major glitch, right? Like, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, also, uh, both of these examples that I just mentioned were done in the practice ROM, which is only relevant because you can give yourself all the equipment that you want to have or not have. Sure. So actually making this viable for a run, this is only just, you know, examples of what crazy stuff we could do. But there'll never be a time when you'll be on like East Death Mountain with Kane of Samaria, Hookshot Boomerang, a couple of bombs and arrows, and God knows what else you need to even set all this up and save time at the same time yeah. yeah so sorry so this glitch uh it it's not gonna lower the any percent at all because or is it i mean like i don't think that can get any faster uh so uh, if, as far as i know it's not going to be faster than an eg to the triforce room and nothing can really beat that for now yeah yeah uh, and it's it's a major glitch, so it obviously can't be used in no major glitches, which is the speed run that we you know talked about last time, and and the rules that are used in randomizer. Um, is there any way that we can? I just really want to skip Ice Palace. Is there any way I can <laughs> skip Ice Palace well, well, legally? 
I mean, you know, the... I think. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> No, well, I'm ahead. thinking, you know, so, you know, technically this is like a, you know, spooky glitch is exploiting the same behavior. And that, as far as I'm aware, is still not considered a major glitch. So maybe this is something where the community has to come together and say, well, okay, if we want to specifically do it in Ice Palace just to skip Ice Palace, just like doing spooky glitch in Mire, that's okay. But doing this stuff to, like, arbitrarily give you items is not, like, I don't know if that's something that we're going to get, we, the community, are going to get nuanced enough about, but yeah. maybe that's how it's vi- It's allowed. It just seems like it's getting pretty arbitrary at that point then. I mean, it's it's really not that comparable to Spooky, only because it kind of, like, the mechanics aren't the same at all, really. It's just both have to do with the ancillary stuff, which is the only commonality that they really have. But even what they do with it is completely different. But what's important to note is that <clears throat> just because we can do the arbitrary code execution, there's also the like the lighter form of the glitch where we don't just give ourselves five crystals by walking into a door. <laughs> so there's <laughs> yeah. a couple of what they call at the moment, I think, are still called hook pushes, uh, which I'm sure you guys have seen uh, kind of what uh, Tim was alluding to earlier, uh, where they do a whole bunch of stuff with boomerangs and Samaria blocks and exploding them and stuff like that and then they pull out their hookshot and hookshot to somewhere and instead of getting pulled somewhere they're getting pushed backwards through the wall and they skip a whole bunch of stuff which yeah so yeah you can skip ice palace and then the other one i saw that was huge was being able to skip the cutscene in mire mm-hmm. yeah, yeah using your hookshot to get over that gap right there and over that little wall yeah um, so Obviously, that would be huge, you know, if it were introduced in a randomizer. Yeah, so these things are a big for kind of like all dungeon runs in the vanilla category and stuff like that. Maybe not that important in a, you know, normal NMG run. But uh, for now, the ruling, as far as I know, is uh, since there's going to be a racing council established, I'm not sure how, how much we want to talk about that, but... Yeah, hey, it's it's next on our list, so mm-hmm. it's a perfect trans- transition. <laughs> yeah, it really to, uh, kind of is. It. So yeah, uh, the the rando community or the rando mods and admins have decided that uh, since they want to establish a, race, a racing council, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, the current ruling is going to be none of these glitches are going to be allowed in rando. Uh, until the racing council is formed and makes a decision on it you can use it in your srl races if you want but you have to kind of like how you have to explicitly say that you're in voice chat together you're gonna have to say hey we want to do a race where these glitches are allowed and then everything's a-okay yeah 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 the the racing council is uh, an interesting thing i don't know tim do we want to get into yeah, go, to, go to, ahead. Yeah, tell yeah. us. So, so, tell so us this, this was something that uh, was popped up. And um, to summarize, basically, you know, so you have for, for quite a while, you've had sort of the the people who are kind of on the forefront of developing Rando um, being the ones who are making a lot of the calls in terms of, okay, this is legal, this isn't legal, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the community, you know, they kind of talked in, amongst themselves and you know, again, Herf, if I'm inaccurate on this, let me know. But they, they kind of talked amongst themselves and said, well, you know, we're, we're mostly focused on developing. We aren't racing every day like the rest of the community is. And the community might have a better sense of what is and is not 
something that we want to allow than we do. So why don't we set up a council of, you know, the racing community to have them decide what is and isn't legal instead of having it be decided by the developers. Is that yeah, I would say enough yeah, yeah. I, I would say that's pretty much accurate to what it was intended to be. I think you know there have been some happenings in the past where the community has not like reacted the way the devs maybe had expected. For a more recent example, see the inclusion of hints. You know, mm-hmm. people the devs included them and they thought hey that would be a cool thing and we don't just want to include like a single thing we want to make a whole hint system and stuff and then the community was like wait nobody asked us about this and this changes the whole meta game and everything and we race every day so what the heck so as you say or as you said uh, the devs kind of you know they still have fun developing it they maybe don't race it as much anymore uh, the community oftentimes doesn't maybe agree with some of the decisions or some of the things, so they kind of want to make up a, a bit of a, what do you say, neutral council mm. to, to kind of get a different view on things and maybe from also people who are more involved with just the racing community in general. Yeah. yeah. And this all came to us in an announcement in the Randomizer Discord channel under the announcements channel. Uh, on that server, I mean, uh, from Christos Owen mm-hmm. uh, on June 20th. And uh, I think it's also interesting to note that they are looking for 10 to 20 members of this council, uh, or of the community to be in this council. And uh, they're also accepting applications. So if you're listening to this and you're someone who races regularly or at a high level or both, um, or even if you're not, uh, it, you know, once you look at this form, essentially it just asks you some questions about, you know, why you think you maybe should be on the council and what your experience is like. And, uh, um, you know, you might you might be chosen to be uh, in that council. But I, mm-hmm. I like the idea overall. I think it's I think it's really cool. Um, Ax, what were you what were you about to say? I'm sorry. I, no, I, I mean, I, I was going to just say the same thing that I think this is a good idea, especially because, again, me, the, the guy who always is making the sports metaphors, um, <laughs> you know, in for football, for example, you might have Adidas making the ball, but they're like, well, we just make the ball. We don't really care how you use it. And you need like the, you know, FIFA or whoever to say like, okay, these are the rules for how to play football correctly. Notice I'm, I'm using football. You said football. The, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we got it. Um, <laughs> He's so proud. You, you took away from it by immediately like yeah, drawing our but, attention. But, um, you know, that that's a good separation of duties there because the developers, you know, again, they're, they're not going to be, now that this is more than just, you know, a fan game where you've got a, a couple dozen people, you have hundreds of people playing this every day and it's growing every day mm-hmm. you really kind of need to delegate that so you can say hey i need to focus on just coding this up and improving it and fixing bugs and whatnot and if i'm having to do that and try to figure out all the the rules for what's race legal and at you know being the person who has to arbitrate you know hey you know this happened in a race and and we think it was not kosher and you know how do we handle that you just it takes so much time away from the development because again this is just a hobby nobody is like my full-time job is making randomizer and that's what i do to you know keep a roof over my head so splitting those duties out 
is going to make things, I think, a lot better for everybody, both the developers and the racing community. Yeah, it just makes a ton of sense. Uh, another quick thing that I just remembered that I want to mention, and that's, I think, an important factor as well, is uh, when the randomizer was first made, most of the rules were kind of taken from the NMG speedrun, as we've talked about in the episode with Wayne as well and stuff like that. And as the randomizer and the NMG speedrun and generally the glitches that are found develop further, we're getting further and further away from, you know, just being able to take the rules from NMG and applying them one-to-one to the randomizer. The most recent example that we just talked about with the hook pushes and all that stuff might not make a huge difference in a normal NMG speedrun because just because of the equipment needs that you have and how much time it would cost to set it up versus how much time you would save and everything. But in a randomizer, you might find yourself with just the right equipment like 20 minutes into the seed, and if you can just hook push yourself through all of Ice Palace and don't have to do anything, you're saving like a ton of time. So that's where, you know, kind of... It, it was kind of ironic or funny timing that the racing council discussion started up at the same time as these glitches were discovered in the NMG community, where they are now talking about, well... How do we really classify major versus minor? What do we allow? What don't we allow? And we're just yeah. drifting further and further apart. So it totally makes sense to go, okay, the original rules were from NMG. That makes sense. But now we're kind of our own thing. So we need people who are really in the thick of things to see how it works out. Yeah. It's always going to be easier and less controversial to adopt rules from someone else right Mm -hmm. because then if you run into problems you can just say well hey it's it's not us you know like we're just going off of this you know like this Mm -hmm. is nmg rules that's just we didn't decide it you know take it up with them but when you do step in front of it and take the responsibility of saying okay we're going to look at every one of these glitches from now on or you know other sort of things like this and make a ruling and determine not just was it good for speed running? Because that's not exactly kind of what we're doing here. We're playing randomizer. Is it the best for the game? You know, is it best mm-hmm. for competition, for for tournaments? You know, for fairness. You know, and, and I think that's that's really cool. And it just it just makes a lot of sense to to have something like that. And I also think it's really cool that um, you know, whenever we do finally uh, you know, come up with the people that are going to be in this council they have quite a first task on their hands, you know, to figure out this new, like, huge, like, game-exploding glitch and try to figure out, okay, how do we handle, you know, how are we going to handle this in terms of races and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, that should be, that's, I'm very interested to see. Um, number one, who ends up on this council? Because I imagine there'll probably be a lot of names that we're pretty familiar with for the most part, you know? I would assume so, yeah. 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 And uh, also just to see how they rule on, on this and, and future, you know, story decisions. So, Yeah, uh, my main hope is that they're, when they do make their calls on this stuff, they, they give a pretty good explanation, like, like the developers have been doing historically. Like, hey, here's what we did and here's why we did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and man, to be a, a fly on the wall of some of those conversations that they're going to be having and the, the 12 did Angry Men-esque. Did any like, of you, you guys know, apply? I did not. I, I and I thought about it. Uh, number one, I'm I'm not. I don't race often enough. I think to justify being a part of the racing council. Mm-hmm. And number two, I'm more excited to um, be sort of an observer and and to talk about what they decide and try to, you know, dis- dissect that for the show and kind of cover that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think being on the council wouldn't quite be the same. You know, I I, I had kind of a similar thought. You know, I. 
I maybe do one SRL race like a month, if that. And again, if I was on there, I feel like I would be taking a spot away from someone who is more active, and that's not very fair. Plus, like I feel, for, for me anyway, that my role in the community and what I like doing is helping out new players and kind of getting them ready to go and saying like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm helping you get ready and now I'm releasing you off into the world. And that perspective, while it might be helpful to have on the racing council, the racing council is really, I think, more focused on the people who are like, yep, I'm, you know, my average time is under 140 and, you know, that, that's where the rules are going to be made. And I just feel like I would not be able to have good insights and make good rulings on this stuff. Okay. Yeah, what about you, Herf? I did apply. Yeah, I, I yeah. had the I had similar thoughts to you two guys because my SRL history is like my. It's probably just a, you know a huge empty dusty room if you look at my SRL races. So I don't really have much to give in the in the racing department. But I figured. I thought about about it for a while, and then I figured you know as a main tournament admin. I'm pretty involved in a lot of the competitive scene in one way or another. And I also know and talk to a lot of the top runners or at least people that I would consider top runners of various categories. You know, I talk to Buen and Eri a lot, both good rando and NMG runners. I talk to Toysho a lot, who is great at any kind of glitch you can throw at him. He immediately knows what's happening and can explain a lot of things. So I feel like I could maybe offer kind of a unique perspective of someone who doesn't actively race but has a lot to do with the racing community. I'm not sure if that's enough and I won't be sad if I don't get accepted. I don't really expect to be in it, but I'm I'm sort of interested. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, it's the same reason that we, you know, one of the many reasons that we love having you on this show is you're yeah. extremely knowledgeable about well, this stuff. Also because you know? he's, you know, funny and wonderful. No, yeah. Huh? Hey, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, yeah, that's why I stopped and said one of the reasons. Yeah. It, it's it's the reason I initially asked you, but there are many other reasons but, that I'm glad mm-hmm. you're here now. But so. unfortunately, Herf is also melting, so maybe we want to move to yeah. our, uh, our our little our last little topics here. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I, I feel good about all of that, though. Um, as always, you know, let us know what you think in the Discord and, and email us, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep keep you guys updated. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to make a real quick mention. Um, we covered a lot of community tournaments as they were all getting started up, and a lot of them, you know, we kind of left it to our listeners to go and you know follow them or, or kind of check them out from there. But I did want to mention, um, especially since uh, it involves someone uh, that's that's close to the show. Um, the Plando tourney is over, and the winner was none other than a friend of the show, uh, Dante. So congratulations to Dante's for uh, winning. Yeah, for winning the Plando tournament. That, yeah, it was, congrats. It, yeah, it went on for a while. Um, I, I understand it was, it was a pretty long tournament. I, I I know it took a lot of uh, commitment to get all those those races done, but um, GG. That's that's pretty significant. I think that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. And then the final thing, um, you're going to hear from probably Tuesday Timp pretty soon. He's going to be cutting in to edit in some uh, details on the SGDQ 2019 happenings uh, surrounding Rando. Um, got a very quick update from Phileon, who's there, um, who is sort of our correspondent um, in, in the field to uh, report on everything. Um SGDQ, of course, is still going on. Uh, today is the final day as we record this on the 29th. So um, I'm sure you know once once he gets home, he can uh, decompress a little bit and, and write up a little bit of info for us. So I will edit that in right here. Mm-hmm. 
right, as promised, Tuesday Temp here with a little clarification and a special treat for you. Phileon has asked friend of the show Sinak to submit a report in his stead that summarizes all of the rando happenings at SGDQ 2019 last week. You may recognize the name Sinak from a few places, including the announcements channel of the ALTTP randomizer discord, as he is a main tourney admin, and our very own discord as a Go Mode podcast mentor tournament volunteer admin and mentor. Well, not only did Sinak write up that report, which you can read by following the link in the description of this episode, but he also offered to take a moment to tell us in his own words about the rando presence at SGDQ 2019. So with that, let's take a listen. All right, and so now we are joined by Sinak. Sinak, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing very good. Uh, How about you, Tim? Oh, I'm doing great, and uh, I, I really appreciate you joining us on this Monday evening uh, after what I know was a, a whirlwind of a week that you just had. Oh, absolutely, but it, it was worth, and I'll, I'll go into that in just a bit why. Awesome. Um, so, uh, Sinak, I, I set things up a little bit before we started here, but um, I'm curious to know, and I know our listeners are as well, um, what has your history been with uh, Games Done Quick and, and Rando and just, you know, kind of set us up as to, you know, who you are and kind of what you were doing this week? Oh, sure. So I started attending uh, GDQs starting with SGDQ 2016. I just thought maybe it would just be a, a good idea to because it's like three and a half hours north of where I live. I live down in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and it's up in Bloomington, Minnesota or well, downtown Minnesota at the time. So mm. there's not a whole lot of a time investment to make my way there. So I thought I'd check it out. It was a whole lot of fun. I got to meet a bunch of new people. I got hooked to going to them. What was the big, like, banner thing that happened, SGDQ 2016? Was there one that, like, oh, yeah, it's that one? All right. So that year, uh, so that was when it was still over uh, the 4th of July weekend. So they actually oh, okay. had a Super Mario Brothers, a new Super Mario Brothers run um on the fourth of july and you know like when you hit like the the goal at the end there's certain situations where you get fireworks well the runner was intentionally going for fireworks <laughs> and then I we would remember hearing about that sorry go ahead i just i sort of remember hearing about that now that you're saying it, it's like okay yeah that was that one yeah oh yeah and it it was a good time uh i remember like clapping along with the the firework beats and I think that was probably like the most memorable run of all of it. And that was a while ago. So that was the first one you went to. Uh, That is correct. And have you been to each one since or like how, how often have you been able to get back? I have attended every GDQ since that point. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. Wow. Yeah. This is pretty hardcore. Yeah. This is number seven. Wow. Okay. So you are the perfect candidate to give us an idea of, you know, how Rando has sort of evolved at these events and, and kind of how it got to uh, where it was this, this last week. Yeah, I would say so. Yes. Uh, I've been to every single one. Uh, it really started, the events really started happening at uh, AGDQ 2018. That was when uh, Chris Owen and uh, Andy had... Andy. They had their their legendary race that kind of put ALTTPR in the forefront. I had been racing ALTTPR at that point. Um, mm-hmm. That actually started at probably, it would have been uh, SGDQ 2017. 
was when I did my first racing at at a GDQ behind the scenes. And real quick, how did you get into Rando? Um, so as with a lot of people who probably got into it relatively early, but not super early, it was the mm-hmm. first tournament and watch now okay. on speed gaming. Um, I had pl- I had toyed around with the randomizer before that point, uh, especially like with I think I remember playing like V3 at one point. Uh, oh wow! It was really it's kind, it was kind of it was rough around the edges and and we actually right. did a throwback race uh, at AGDQ. This is the last AGDQ uh, where we all played a V3 seed. There's some there, there's some things that are different. Yeah, I bet we honestly we probably one day we'll go back and do a whole episode on like early versions and kind of you know how we got to where we are now. Um, It's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. Um, So you say it got started at um, AGDQ 2018. I would say so. Uh, There was a very large community presence at that particular event, uh, clearly because of the race that was scheduled. Uh, I know that Chris had attended GDQs prior to that. Um, but I think that's like the first time when like everybody in the ALTTPR community decided to go to a GDQ that, that could, mm-hmm. and there was just a lot to be done. Alucard, uh, did a lot of organization for that one. He put together a community dinner. We had a, we had a steak, we had a dinner at a pretty fancy steakhouse. Uh, mm-hmm. that was really good, expensive, but good. Uh, there was also t-shirts that were uh, that we all have. I have a couple of them still. Can't get them anymore. So as as someone who's never been to an event like this, and, and man, I would love to go, but I've just never really had an opportunity. Is it uh, pretty normal for communities of a game to kind of you know band together and have sort of events planned ahead of time like this? Yes and no. Um, a lot of game, a lot of communities for games are, are relatively small compared to ALTTPR. Uh, ALTTPR is by far like one of the largest, probably uh, largest communities that probably shows up to a GDQ. I'd say okay. just like in an aggregate, SGDQ was a bit smaller. Uh, it felt like there was a lot of Mario, there was a lot of Mario runners there, clearly because of the. Mm-hmm. Of the the races that were happening, all the Kaizo stuff, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the blind Kaizo race that brought a lot of the the Mario runners out, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. Do you think that could partly be because Rando is is actually for people who are already into speedruns really highly accessible, and there are a lot of people who do Rando and also are maybe there for another reason, or did you get the sense that a lot of them are there for Rando events? Um, kind of a mix. Okay. Um, so GDQs are, are really for, for people who are enthusiastic about speedrunning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind that of, that much is clear. Even yeah. That's on the stream. I, that is very, very clear. Yeah. I would, I would hope so too. Um, but I would say I, I never actually did like a real poll on this, so I couldn't really, Ooh, sure. I couldn't yeah. really tell you for certain. But I would say that it, it's kind of an influencing factor to, you know, be able to meet up with people that you normally only get to speak with online, that you only get to have text conversations with, sometimes a voice call. Um, it, it's nice to be able to do that reconnection. And I think that's what drives a lot of people to come back to GDQs, is just to have that social interaction that they normally don't be, don't 
really get to experience. Sure. So AGDQ 2018, this was the big uh, race between Andy and Christos Owen, um, pretty much prime time, uh, really got a lot of people into it. Um, was there anything going on behind the scenes there or maybe anything in the following GDQ events that's sort of worth uh, uh, noting before we start talking a little bit more about uh, this year's SGDQ? Oh, sure. So with AGDQ 2018, there was a, I would say, there was a big community race for one. There, and there was also a lot of really small small races that kept happening throughout the week. Um, there's all, There's a... As you know, there's also a very large crossover of NMG runners mm. that are also that also play rando, right? So there was all sure. NMG racing behind the scenes, uh, just to kind of kind of give a an idea of kind of what is like behind the scenes, right? So you mm. have your you have your actual stream, and that's a part of it, but there's also several other rooms. There's a practice room where people can you know practice their speed games. And these and, practice rooms are huge, right? Like, I've seen some yes. a little bit of behind the scenes. Yeah, they're massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and World 9, uh, by the way, they are they are one of the main heroes of GDQs. They provide mm-hmm. a lot of equipment. They provide TVs, which is a big deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we actually talked about that a little bit on, on this episode, about the how hard it would be to have to haul around the amount of TVs that it requires for this sort of thing. It, exactly. And, yeah, they... They basically load up a couple of rider trucks just full of TVs. I've helped them haul them. It's a, it's quite the pain, but it, it's really high. It's highly appreciated by us. Hmm. Um, so you have the practice room. There's a casual room where you can do your casual gaming. It's unofficially called the rando room because most people are playing <laughs> rando in there. Okay. Um, cool. There's a tournament room where you can have like pre-scheduled events. So if you have like a big race, the big multi-world, which I'll talk about here in just a minute, was in there. Um, a couple of the other things I organized were also in that room. Uh, they also they also have TVs, PCs, the gear that you need in order to successfully run a tournament. Um, cool. Yeah. So there uh, there's a lot there's a lot behind the scenes more than you just see, like when you're watching the stream. Sure, because, um, I mean, well, give us an idea of, like, how many people are in attendance for this sort of thing. So, the so the attendance cap for SGDQ 2019 was 2,600, if right. I remember correctly. And that pretty much sold out. Um, from what I hear from my sources is that usually about 500 of those badges are never actually claimed, which is quite... What's going on there? Yeah, I know exactly. I think some people they so you have to register um, in advance. There's no ticket sales at the door. You have to you have to basically pay the seventy dollars for your badge in advance, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then there's a, there's also a t- a term where you get to a point where you cannot cancel anymore and get your seventy dollars back. Some people have mm-hmm. things that just change. They never claim their badges. So I'd say. There's probably a solid 2,000 that were actually at that event. Gotcha. So, I mean, being such a massive event, I mean, you definitely don't see 2,000, you know, 2,500 on on the stream at any given point. So it's like they got to be somewhere. And it's, you know, you get a little bit of behind-the-scenes glimpses every now and then on the stream, especially in later years as the production quality has stepped up. But, um, yeah, there's it's cool. They, they provide a lot of things to do, and, and I can definitely see a lot of rando 
going down, and it's something I would love to be a part of. So tell us a little bit about kind of what was happening in the Rando universe at SGDQ 2019. Oh, I, I, I would love to. So we had, I would say there's like four main things that were happening. Five. Yeah, we'll go with five. Okay. So and we we did tease these uh, on the last episode because you sort of dropped in. You listed three things that were going on. Um, so we know about some of them, but uh, I guess you go ahead and walk us through sort of like chronologically what, what, what all those five things are. So, so one is just your normal rando races. You just, mm-hmm. some people come by, we have a special discord set up. We have a racing role that people opt into. You can just type at racing. I want to do X and, oh, cool. and whoever just shows up in the casual room is the, they, you, know, you just begin a race, right? Uh, that's awesome those are very ad hoc we provide a a seed pack in advance that we give people that that has a list of pre-generated games so you're not having to go and pull them from the site in advance Hmm. or uh generate it there you can just say i just want to play this game everybody else already has it you can go uh especially since computers are a bit more limited there it it makes things easier to deal with Yeah, if you have your SC to SNES, right? Um, we also have One Mind races. So One Mind is an interesting concept. It's really not something that you can't do online. So think of your playing Link to the Past randomizer, and you have two uh, controllers connected to a Super Nintendo. Okay. One person has control of Link, and then 90 frames later, or about 1.5 seconds, the control shifts to the player two. And player two controls Link for about a second and a half. And then the control shifts back to player one. And that just keeps okay. going for the entire duration of the run. So you have to kind of think as one with your partner in order to be fast. Okay. And, so I, I just have a quick question. I don't want to get into this too much because yeah. I, I could ask so many questions about just yeah. that alone. But are so are both people pretty much just playing the game, sort of pretending like they're controlling so that the time when it does switch over, they're already putting in the right inputs? Or are you not able to like put in inputs when it's not your turn? Oh, no, that's a viable strategy is to always okay. be pretending you're playing. Think of it as like you're, uh, you're, you're, you're a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And you're uh, playing Super Mario Brothers with your big brother, right? And, uh, and you're always Luigi if you're this little brother. Yeah. For me, it was my and cousin, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly, yeah. And you're you're putting you're you're t- you're hitting the inputs as well, along with the other person who's actually playing. Mm, and but you're not doing anything. Ex- exactly. But uh, in this case, you are, and you said every second it switches. About second and a half. It's uh, it's configurable. I did one okay. once that was set to eight frames, which is absolutely insane. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's it's. It was pretty dumb, but great. Pandemonium, yeah. Yeah. Um, was, also, I mean, the, is it playable like that? Like, does I mean, can you finish a seed like that? Yeah. Uh, you wow. just have to, you just have to have a good understanding, and you have to communicate a lot with your partner. Sure. Um, you'll you'll get a, a feel, and I, I like you said before, I don't want to get too deep into this, but you'll get <laughs> yeah. a you'll get a good feel of the nuances of how your partner moves inside ALTTP mm. versus how you do it. Because everybody moves differently, and it you reminds will get me a... like, sorry, uh, this is stupid. It reminds me of like Pacific Rim or something like that, where you're like mind melding to control this beast. Yeah, that's 
that's a good analogy for it too but <laughs> yeah it's something that you just have to try once uh there's a zarby 89 who is a pretty well-known rom hacking rom hacker in our community uh went and built. i recognize that name from the credits of rando yeah exactly i think he created <laughs> something called enemizer i'm not sure um like yeah he he built that patcher and it's pretty great i'm not sure it's probably floating around somewhere on the main randomizer discord uh if you can't find it and you're interested in using it uh just ask in there uh somebody will probably be happy to help you out with getting that it's pr- it's a lot of fun all right. Um, All right. So Let, let's keep it moving. What's exactly. what's the next one? <laughs> so we also had a two v two tournament, which I, uh-huh. I know that you were chatting with Filey on about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so how did so, it go? So um, I missed a lot of it, unfortunately, but I do know the outcome. Uh, so in round one, uh, Clifford and so Clifford and Filey on uh, beat Bungie to the tree, who is actually a participant in the yeah. Go tournament. Yeah, Along with Udai, yeah, awesome. Udai Monistic, who is his, uh, I think, I think his primary uh, mentor. Okay. Um, and then uh, there was also a matchup between uh, Mikan and Levon Firestorm, who actually got a buy in round one, so they didn't have to play an offline race, and okay. uh, and they were defeated by uh, Shireen and Weighty Words, who were a really good pair of runners um awesome and then on wednesday i also missed this because i had a volunteer shift but ultimately shireen and weighty words won i, I right. hear I... I hear it was a really close race up until uh uh clifford and finally got dq'd for using major glitches they'd already lost but <laughs> why not you know exactly might as well make your mark while you're there that's awesome. Well, well, GG to the winners of that. Shireen is someone who uh, hangs on in our Discord occasionally. Um, so, awesome. GG. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, and then now now hopefully we're getting to some of this this crazy stuff that we heard about from, from before uh, SGDQ started. Oh, yes. So, um, another thing that happened was is that we had a game that we played called uh, Keep Talking and Nobody Last Locations. We actually did two of them. So we only had one scheduled, but people liked it so much that we did another one. We had two, three teams of three on each team. One per, it was so it was cross keys or a cross world shuffle entrance, mm-hmm. entrance shuffle with key sanity enabled with a crystal's goal. Um, I had a printed off copy of the spoiler log. I wrote a special script to basically make a word document out of the spoiler log. Uh, for mm-hmm. both the item spoiler and the entrance spoiler. One person got the item spoiler, another got the entrance, and another person uh, played. Yes, okay, uh, so can, can you try to sort of walk us through, like, how this played out? Because I am, am insanely curious to know how it went. So I can speak mostly to the first attempt, the okay. first time we did it. Uh, the second time I, I got on Sunday, on Saturday, I was got sick and – I had to leave, but Aww, I know I that. by the way, hot tip for uh, attending a GDQ, wash your hands a lot. I've heard that. Get your yeah, flu shots. Yeah. Well, anytime there's just going to be a bunch of people just like milling about together and touching controllers in one place. It's like, yeah, yeah, for it, sure. Exactly. You could probably still hear it in me right now. Um, Are you feeling better though? I think so. Like I made it through yeah. a day of work. So anyway, yeah. back to the topic okay. here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So there were two teams on Tuesday. There were two teams that were really close to each other. It was like a minute and a half. I actually have mm-hmm. screenshots of their of their credits, the end of their credits. I'll provide that to you, Tim, if you want to post yeah, those. Yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely. Um, so we had they were about a minute and a half away from each other in game. I I didn't mm-hmm. run a timer, so I don't know what the I, sure. the real time was, but. Yeah. I guess I'm mainly just curious, like yeah. so. They, uh, I believe you, you clarified in, in the Discord before this started, um, it's, it was just kind of like ready, set, go, like mm-hmm. we said last time. Like, everyone gets their uh, spoiler as, they get their spoiler as soon as the runner starts racing. So, what was it like in that first, like, five minute? Was it just, like, them just bantering at each other? Or, like, I mean, what, how did that scene play out? It was a lot of talking. Um, the, the common strategy was that the person with the entrance spoiler was really the person doing all the routing. Okay. Um, the player was sense. the player was playing. They they went and they just kind of started exploring and kind of doing what they could, while the entrance person was was kind of then asking the item spoiler person for information. Okay. And and then the entrance spoiler person they they were allowed to take notes. In fact, I they were even allowed to use a tracker. So mm. a lot of them would. I I think Doctor Bob Tastic used Emosaru's tracker used emo trackers entrance tracker to to try to sort it all out um but uh yeah so it, it was mostly like the entrance spoiler person that did a lot of the the work of routing out the seed for the runner um, and so you said there were two of them done um was it was it like a race or just like you i mean how, how would how did that work uh so it, it was a race uh you had three okay. teams of three right Gotcha. Um, yeah, they were they were fighting Ganon around the same time. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it was it was very very close, and um, you in a live setting like that when you're racing live like in a confined space, if somebody if somebody uh, is close, you're, you're gonna know. Like, there's no way to avoid having that information, even if it's yeah. like a non-spoiler race. Like in this case, it isn't nearly as big of a deal. But it's just a thing that's going to happen. It's it's expected. It's kind of like one of those, you know, you're going to get spoiled accidentally. It's going to happen. Um, yeah. But it's, it's also, even though it's like there's a lot of people there and it's live and it's sort of higher stakes, it, it's also, it is more for fun and it's not as big of a deal. I would I would imagine, like, if you don't win that kind of thing, it's it doesn't really matter, you know, as much because everyone's just having fun. Exactly. Cool. So, um I, I was actually I was trying to find the uh, there was a tweet sent out by Games Done Quick of uh, this event that happened on Thursday um, that that got shared pretty pretty uh, widely. Um, I was trying to find the the uh, actual tweet so I can see how many times. But I, I there were a lot of people in the community kind of buzzing about this and uh, uh, t- tell us about this multi world event on Thursday. Oh yeah, so that was that's the last pit of us, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we we used Bonta's multi-world which I know you've talked about previously on your podcast mm-hmm. um, so we've done we did a few multi-worlds actually earlier in the week you know you just don't like just dive into 31 a 31 player multi-world live <laughs> like there on site without doing smaller scale tests first sure um, so we did a few earlier in the week but this 31 player one was, was quite the logistical um, chaotic soup of awesome 
uh yeah that it where do you even begin it. with 31 like yeah what so how'd you, how'd you even pull it off so so one thing is is that we ask people so we put a sign-up sheet in the in the room uh we asked people if they needed any equipment um so with Bonta's multi-world or with any multi-world in general you have to have something that interacts so you either have to have a computer or you need to have a computer and like an sd to snes uh and a USB cable for it to connect so that you can play and you have something that will interact, well, that'll do the work of sending items to you and, and retrieving your items. Mm-hmm. So we had to ensure that 31 players all had computers. Fortunately, the tournament room had eight computers that were available. So that made things a little easier. But we still had a whole bunch of people who were playing on on their own laptops or computer or on an SDSNS, they may not have had their own laptop. So we had like two laptops that were hosting like four people a piece because you can have multiple SDSNSs connected to a single laptop for something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and I, I will announce right now that I, I finally, finally found this tweet. Uh, so I will link to it and it includes a couple of pictures put out by games done quick. So you can see just the scale of this, uh, this project, I mean, it literally takes up like two entire rows of this massive room with just a bunch of TVs and SNESs and controllers just all over the place. It's crazy. Yeah, and I have some pictures of my own as well that I can give you, Temp. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll link those as well if you can get those to me. So it took about – so the multi-world game, you have to know exactly how many players also you're going to have. So we had to basically at around 8, 10 – we just had to put a hard cutoff of if you're not in this room and you haven't checked in with me, you can't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you have to turn anybody away? Uh, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. Uh, no, fortunately, we didn't. Okay, good, uh, good, good. Except myself, and I'll get into that in just a second. So, <laughs> okay. uh, so first, I, I, so beforehand, I rolled actually a multiple set of games from 10 players all the way up to 41. Um. Mm-hmm. So that we had a wide gamut to choose from. So I'm, we're not having to generate smart. them right there. Yeah, because like a large multi-role, like a 31-person multi-role game can take about 20 to 25 minutes to generate. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. that was a smart idea. How long did that take to get all of those? About four hours. Wow. Okay. I, I, that's actually I, less than I thought you were going to say. Yeah, it, it wasn't that bad. Uh, I was running them in parallel. So oh, I had like two go. going in parallel because it's like a... I won't go too much into like how computers work or whatever, but um, <laughs> it's not multi-thread. I'll just say that for the technical yeah. audience out there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we generated a bunch of, of of the games in advance just so we didn't have to deal with that mm-hmm. that type of scenario. Um, and first, I we we put I started the server for twenty eight players. And then I realized, mm-hmm. oh, we forgot three people. So I went and I added three three people, including myself, right? And mm-hmm. then I go, 31, I go issue numbers, and then Check Human comes up to me. It's like, I thought I checked in. I'm like, so oh, I... Oh, you sacrificed your spot for somebody. And you know what? It worked out, and I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i go into that in just a minute, right? So okay. I so Check Human takes my 31st spot, Okay. So like I'm I'm not I'm out now, mm-hmm. but we had a lot of we ran into some issues. So about nine o'clock is the time we actually get everything started, right? 
We got everybody connected to the multi-server. Everybody's syncing. We think that everybody's connected correctly. We start. Uh, we run into a few issues where players weren't receiving or sending items. Uh, that's normal, especially with the, on this type of scale, right? Mm-hmm. So. Oh yeah, I would have I would have been more surprised if you said it worked perfect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so anything I'm saying from this point onward, you know. It, I'm not knocking on Bonta. Bonta is awesome. His implementation is, is, is wonderful. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's just, yeah, you, at this scale, uh, things can yeah. happen, right? Absolutely, so, yeah. He spent a lot of time doing tech support, along with Hanson, who is also great. Uh, mm-hmm. So we do a lot of te- we're doing a lot of tech support, getting people sending and receiving their items. Mm-hmm. So I would have been spending a lot of time pause while I was helping other people. So it actually kind of worked out there. Okay. So yeah. you almost need like a system administrator to just be like putting out fires pretty much that whole time. And who else is going to be more qualified than somebody who's helping to organize it? So exactly. That's, that's nice that you, 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 uh, you know, set that one out to, to make the seat happen. So how did it go? I mean, what, what sort of things did people have to say about it? Um, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, when, how long when, did it take? Uh, it, I think I have like a picture of it of uh five hours 30 minutes i think okay that was the one i that's a picture i sent bonta um yeah one person got started an hour late because we ran into a a weird issue where they weren't receiving any items even though they were sending uh we ultimately had to delete their save and have them start over in order Mm -hmm. to fix the issue but then they started getting everything that they were supposed to uh which was weird but uh, i estimate about 80 percent of people probably actually killed ganon out of mm. the 31, which okay. which is typical for good. a very large multi-world like that. Sure. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure you, you have all skill level people showing up to do this. And mm-hmm. um, not to mention, like you said, tech issues and things like that. And, you know, boredom till, you know, maybe somebody's playing for four hours and they're like, I want to go into the pinball room now. You know, like it's a yeah. bunch of things can show up. So there, there there's there's one term, right, in multi-world that's, that's kind of now a meme, but I was meaning mm-hmm. as well. Uh, it's called BK mode. Yeah. Um, it comes from, and you, you may have talked about this on a previous We podcast, did, yeah, yeah. But yeah. to remind people, right, it's it's where you're out of stuff to do. It literally comes from somebody in the OOT <laughs> multi-world community literally going to Burger King because they were, <laughs> they, they, they just they, food. They were just hungry. I don't know. They, exactly. Uh, yeah. So they went, so... We actually so there was a Burger King nearby, right? So I actually went over there beforehand. I, I got some food, and then I also asked them for a bunch of their Burger King crowns. So some we had people actually wearing BK crowns when they were in BK. When they mode. were in, <laughs> they were in logical BK. We also had an anti BK rule, where after 15 minutes you were either allowed to use major glitches to get uh-huh. to places, or yeah. you were allowed to uh, request an item. There's a built-in command for getting an item. So oh, you're allowed to well, use useful. that. Just to kind that's of keep cool. things going along, right? Oh, yeah, of uh, course. Yeah, of course you're going to modify the, things a little bit to keep it moving. Yeah, the the, lo- the logic um, hat, it's, it's not very forgiving in the light game. And mm-hmm. you could end up with, like, some very weird logic chains between players mm-hmm. to, to get everybody to finish. So that kind of helps circumvent a little bit of that and keep it fun it was pretty well received uh i don't think anybody had really anything negative to say about it at least in front of me so 
<laughs> I mean, behind the well, scenes, uh, I guess. Uh, don't don't concern yourself with what people are saying exactly. behind the scenes anyway. It's it's better to just forget, forget the haters and move on. Um, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, is there anything else that happened at this event in you know relation to Rando that you might want to touch on? And if not, maybe tell us a little bit about Rando in the future of GDQ events. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, also, there was also the SMZ3. There were two randomizers oh, right. yeah, of course. featured at on stream as well. You had Jam versus Fred uh, playing S, uh, Z1R. That was a mm-hmm. very hype race. Um, there were a, a lot of, like, pretty much everybody in the in our in the group was there to watch that. Fred mm-hmm. is also a very prominent Z3R player as well. So we always want to support those that are in our community. I know that there mm-hmm. were some donations that were made during the run. Absolutely, uh, by, that's awesome. Yeah, and then also, uh, also the SMZ3 run as well between, uh, it was a co-op between Ivan and Andy, and that was also really good. Um, yeah. There were a lot of us in the room for that as well. Awesome. Yeah, we we've mentioned those. Um, I personally haven't had a chance to watch them yet. I definitely will this week. Uh, this is this is Monday, and uh, everything wrapped up essentially Saturday night, early Sunday. So. Um, I haven't got to watch it yet, but I definitely will. Um, but yeah, so in the room, it was it was pretty hype. Oh, absolutely! And then being in the room when the three million hit—that was just a, that was just like oh, the man. cherry on top of the awesome cake. Yeah, uh, so awesome. Yeah, couldn't hear anything in there. It was it was <laughs> it was literally yelling and screaming and cheering, and so cool. I think a few blips of the people who were actually running and talking about it. Yeah, uh, some some from something from the couch. Uh, Mostly just wild cheering, just loud jubilation. Exactly, and yeah, once you're there in person for that, like you'll you'll understand, like just yeah. just how just how electrified the room was. Um, yeah. So you were also asking about in the future, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm thinking about bringing back the CKC three. That is something I did at AGDQ 2019. Uh, okay, what it is basic- that? So basically, it was a uh, Zarbi. Uh, you mentioned him before. He's a great mm-hmm. guy, right? He wrote me a tool that basically hacked Triforce tickets into the game. And uh, when okay. you re- when you looted that ticket, it said claim. It says claim your card, and we'd actually physically hand you a card. Um, it either had a a piece about the spoiler log on it. Okay. Or like a hint, a, basically. Well, it had like a, a, either a yeah, like an item location or mm-hmm. or something like that. It was also cross keys, sure. but it was all dungeons okay. because I'm terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, never again on that. Um, okay. But anyway, uh, so it was cro- so you either so got have that, a hint or what else? Yeah, or it also had a so you have like the think dorm emote. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. were some cards with that. Those were popular. Oh, okay. Those all got yeah. stolen. Like a whammy. Me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like you could turn in like a few of those into steal cards from other players. Oh, okay. Um, so there's a little bit of a gameplay element to them. Oh, I forgot to mention you're also playing in teams of four, so you're oh, also okay. you're you're co-oping it. All so right, it's not nearly cool. as bad, right? Sure. And then also there were cards that had Sahashala on it, and hmm. I still have a few of those. No, I think what I gave those all two? those away. So you could turn in three of those and buy a hint, and <laughs> Phileon had it loaded up on his. Uh, um, on his tablet, the log. So he basically, some people would ask, like where the hammer was at, which by the way was completely useless to people. 
some people were smart and asked what was on the pedestal, which was the Ganon's Tower Big Key, which was... Was this a plan, though? No, it was... was... So, yes and no. Uh, It was not a plan, though, in the sense that anything was manually placed. It was in the sense that I generated, like, three or four seeds. I looked at the log, and I just found one that was at least somewhat spicy. Gotcha. Okay. Uh... I mean, it was screened. It was randomized, but screened. Exactly. I didn't want anything that was like super boring. Sure. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. It's... Okay. So, so we, so who, uh, who came up with this? <laughs> whose, whose idea was this? Who, who like uh, invented the rules to this game? Kind of mine. I was like, I was just like just theorizing in the, uh, in the main randomizer Discord about something stupid to do. Yeah. And somebody so, was like, yeah, involve cards. So how did it go, and, and will there be any sort of tweaks to it if we see it at uh, AGDQ 2020? I think it was well-received as just a co-op cross keys. Okay. Um, there were seven teams of four. Uh, only three people had to finish, so you could just have a fourth person that was – if they were just so far behind, they could just not finish, and that was fine. Gotcha. But cool. uh, the, the actual hints themselves weren't – the hint cards weren't as useful as they should have been. Mm-hmm. So that's probably going to be really tuned for the next okay. version of it. All right. Well, it does sound like a fun game to play. Anything else? Um, there might be more multi-world shenanigans. It depends on when uh, the official uh, implementation comes out. I don't want to speak too much about what that entails, but I'll tell you that I think it'll be worth the wait. Okay. All right, and on that uh, ominous note, we will wrap up our conversation about SGDQ 2019 and all the rando happenings there. Sinak, one final question for you. Are you planning on attending Speed Gaming Live 2019? Not only am I planning to attend it, um, I'm actually on the administration team for the ALTTPR tournament. Oh, how about that? All right. So you will be there. Yeah, I will be probably spending more time working than playing sure uh, well uh i will see you there and uh the other go mode hosts will will be there in some capacity as well so we will look forward to meeting you in person but for now Sinak, thank you so much for uh taking this time to tell us about the event no problem have a good day thank you all right thanks Wow, I can't believe that happened. Isn't that crazy? Oh, it is. man, imagine that. Wow. I mean, you know, to uh, to see that happening in real time uh, must, must have, have been, been quite a thing. Life-changing, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, cool, okay. I mean, all right, so now we're, we're – that was a lot of news, y'all. That was a lot of news. That was – it was all news. Oops, all news. And and there's more, too. Let's, uh, let's wrap up with uh, a fetch question. Ooh, all right. All right, so we do have one fetch question from our old cowboy friend, Will Matheson. Um, <laughs> Yeehaw! Yeah, let me just pull that up. And he even put cowboy Will Matheson in the uh, <laughs> description, so he's like totally leaned into it, which nice. I very oh, much appreciate. Thank you, Will Matheson. It's always good when Matheson. people have a, have a good sport, good spirit about that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, and he also ended the email, hashtag red boomerang for life. <laughs> oh that's something we forgot to talk about with this new glitch the boomerang way more important than it used to be yeah yeah very true so I, I thought you'd like that axe i, I uh, love okay. it 
All right. Um, so we'll actually send in two emails uh, because first they use the contact form on the website. And I just want to come out and say, I, I think there's some sort of problem with it where it tells you that your message didn't go through, but it does go through. I've actually, I've, I always receive them. Um, so I've got two emails here at they, I think he rewrote it, which I feel bad about, but they essentially say the same thing. So I'm going to read the first one that I got, uh, that was sent in through the go mode podcast website contact form. Uh, he says, I was watching a few matches from the overworld glitches tournament, and I saw that it was possible to enter Ganon's tower with fewer than seven crystals and even beat Aga two and open up the top of the pyramid for the Ganon fight. What happens if you fight Ganon with fewer than seven crystals in defeat Ganon mode? Is it like all dungeons where you can't damage him and he taunts you if you haven't beaten them all? So, and the email goes on, but let's, let's start, let's start with that. Do either of you know the answer to this? This is a little bit out of our uh, wheelhouse, but maybe you guys have seen or heard of this. I mean, if the, the goal usually is still to defeat Ganon, which incorporates having all seven crystals in Aga 2 defeated, so... I, as far as I know, and I'm 99% sure, it's going to be the same as it is in all dungeons, where he'll just taunt you and not be damaged in phase 4. Yeah, it, uh, kind of also the same thing that you'll see in like uh, like an entrance rando, where you can drop into Ganon's room just um, you know from the overworld or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I do yeah. want to mention really quickly an interesting quirk, though, that I only recently learned you can actually defeat the invulnerable Ganon, at least until the next version in which Karkhead fully plans on fixing that. But currently, the method in which Ganon is made invulnerable is that he refills all his health on a teleport. So if you manage to put four silver arrows in his face in one phase, you'll defeat the invulnerable Ganon and do the impossible. All right, that's a challenge out there. <laughs> you can do it. Um... All right, let me let me read the uh, second part of this email because they kind of had two questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if I find out anything different about that first one, I'll edit in a, a clarification. But I, I, th I think that's how it works, too. Um, so the second part says, I was also wondering, this might be more of a philosophical question. Why do non-key sanity modes put the crystals and pendants on the map right away? The vanilla game doesn't. You find out where the green is when you first talk to Sarsaparilla. Then you find out the other two... Uh, <laughs> when next uh sorry what uh okay i'm gonna i'm just gonna take this again the vanilla game doesn't you find out where the green is when you first talk to sarsaparilla then you find out the other two when you next do maybe these could be tied to the boots i'm not sure what that said let me read the other email maybe that one will be clearer <laughs> the second oh man time. the email itself is the puzzle this is some Da Vinci Code stuff here. I know, right? Okay, this is take two of the email. Um, I was also wondering, this might be more of a philosophical question. Why do non-key sanity modes put the crystals and pendants on the map right away? The vanilla game doesn't. You find out where the green is when you first talk to Sarsaparilla. Then you find out the other two. Oh, this is the same. Uh, then you find out the other two. Uh, I think when maybe, you get the boots. Yeah, when you, when, yeah, these could be tied to the boots. Then you find out the first crystal after Aga 1. Then you find the rest of the crystals as you speak to the maiden trapped in the first crystal. I almost think randomizer should work this way too, but it wouldn't be necessary to randomize the music like in Key Sanity because you're not really trying to hide what's what. It just doesn't make sense story-wise that you would know what's what. So what they're essentially saying, that's the end of the email, what they're essentially saying is um, 
like if, if instead of just knowing all the crystals and pendants right away, if you had to sort of learn those as you make your way through the seed at certain kind of designated mm-hmm. story points, mm-hmm. what would you guys think if it was set up that way? Well, yeah. I think it would change a lot of how people approach the game. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that'd be a big thumbs down for me. I mean, I think, first of all, to answer the question, I don't really know the reason why it is like that. I believe, though, that the reason why it was originally made like that, uh, keep in mind, Key Sanity came way later than the, you know, normal standard and open mode that you know now that already display everything on the map. And the reason it was made like that originally is because, again, the people came from NMG and they came especially from the speedrunning community and it just you know it, it just makes it faster you do a quick map check you know exactly where you potentially absolutely have to go and what you can potentially skip yeah i mean i think too in the history of it that some of the you know the, one of the biggest innovations was hey we can finally mix up the crystals and pendants mm-hmm. but uh, we want to let people actually know what's a crystal and what's a pendant so you know, just thinking back to uh, maybe it was two or three years ago at this point that they finally got the ability to mix those up. You know, it really doesn't make sense to say, okay, well, we can mix up the crystals and the pendants, but the map's not going to tell you which is which. So from a, you know, considering how things were that at that time, it's a much smaller community. It's still kind of in the experimental alpha stage that doesn't really make it fun to play because there was no real like racing community at that point mm-hmm. yeah it's like what we were talking about earlier you know adapting other rules is sort of the easiest quickest less least controversial kind of way to do it and that's just kind of what the rule has always been there's probably an alternate universe out there where it, it is put together in the other way and that's probably a very fun version of randomizer too you know i don't i don't think it's uh i do think taking it away i, I agree with her that it would it would sort of be a detriment to the overall experience um, and it would also sort of force you to go more places. And, and one of the fun things about Rando is that a lot of times where you go is totally dynamic. Yeah. You know, it, it's the, not fun to be railroaded in, in Rando. The, the big thing I think it would do is at that point, everybody's checking all the light world dungeons no matter what, because they're pretty easy to access. Whereas right now, you'll see a lot of people being like, well, I'm going to save Eastern and see if I can yeah. double up on it when I go to Pod or... You know, Hera's a pendant too, so maybe I'll put off going to Death Mountain. If you don't know what's a crystal and what's a pendant, all of a sudden it's like, well, it's available, so I'm going there. And then you would walk in, hear the wrong music, and, you know, have to make the call of do I stay around or do I walk out? And that just from like a gameplay perspective, I think would be really frustrating for people. Yeah, well, they did. They did mention that they wouldn't. They would do something different with the music to try to, you know, help with that aspect of it too. But yeah, I, I agree. It's just uh, you know, it's sort of like uh, if if hints were taken away, like you know, I know they were sort of controversial coming out, but there are a lot of people who didn't start playing until after hints were rolled out. You know, there are a few people in our in our tournament uh, as racers that have never played this game without hints, and I think if you took that away. They would feel that they would notice it, and it would be not as not as strong of a product. I or, disagree. What do you think about that statement? Yeah, what, what <laughs> I wonder what you think about that. To uh, to find out, and you know, this is for like the community at large, is to take a poll of everybody and see what version they started playing on. Like, was it was it V thirty, V twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty seven? Yeah. What, what anything was it? before that? I, could, um, you could uh, just lump all those together. 
because I, I suspect a lot of opinions in Rando might be colored by, well, what did you start playing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. That would be interesting to know. Uh, and uh, at, at, at any rate, um, we always love thinking about these hypotheticals and talking, you know, talking about your uh, your emails and the, the things that you that you send in, send into us. So uh, thank you for that email, Cowboy Will Matheson, uh, as you ride <laughs> off into the sunset. We salute you. Um, all right, guys. Well, I think that is going to do it for us. Let's go ahead and wrap everything up here. Um, as you know, you can always send us emails just as Will did uh, by emailing us at email at gomodepodcast.com. You can also join our Discord, which, as we've mentioned, is just buzzing right now. It's a buzzing with people talking about the tournament. Um, but even if that's not your thing, even the, the you know, the all the people that are in there now because of the tournament will still go over to the general, you know, uh, Go Mode podcast, new episode discussions and, and just talk about non-tournament things, too. So don't let that scare you away if you're not really, you know, following the tournament. Um, just come chat us up. So you can do that. You can also find us on Twitter at Go Mode Podcast. Uh, shout outs to uh, a few new followers we got over the last couple weeks. And uh, if you want to see me play Rando, uh, you can do so by going to twitch.tv slash temp underscore. Also, twitch.tv slash go mode podcast. Be sure to check that one out. Check out the VODs. Um, and uh, Axe, if people want to watch you play Rando, where are they going to do that? That's going to be on uh, twitch.tv slash SA underscore Axial. Although, again, while the tournament is ongoing, I'm doing more... Uh, more watching and commentating and cheering people on than playing myself. That's totally fine. What about you, Herf? Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash herfydurfy. Uh, I should stream more. I have been slacking lately, but that's where I'll be. Herf, how's your current temperature level? Too darn high. <laughs> <laughs> I think to cool Herf down, we should take a trip to Ice Palace. What do you guys think? Eh. All right. Throw so me in into to Ice Rock Cave. Yeah, there you go. In order to do that, we are going to get have to get out of the uh, the lava area of Turtle Rock that we're currently standing in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, right. do, how do we do that, Temp? Uh, well, let me just toss the bag over here to her, and uh, maybe there's something in there that can help. Let me go uh, see what I can find in here. Uh, hmm. I'm not sure if this bug net's really going to help us out very much, but hey, this... don't throw that away. Don't uh, don't throw really? that away. I, need, to catch I need that for reasons. Fine, okay. But there's one. Hang on, this red boomerang needs to go. All right, there we go. Uh, oh, it just okay. came back and hit you in the head. Because uh, that's what boomerangs do. All right, looks like I see a little mirror way far down there. Let me pull that out. Looks good. All right, here we go. 